welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Daily Thunder, Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A R. Y-S-E dot com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am your host, Justin Matcham. I've been here with me this this evening, afternoon slash evening. It's still nice and light out uh, on a, I believe it is a Thursday afternoon at this point. Dan and Amadou here with me. Dan, Amadou, how you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. How you doing today? How are you? I'm man? well. Dan, how are you? Uh, well, man. Yeah, I hope, well, hope everybody's uh, doing well. Doing well all around. It's good to hear. Uh, the Cavaliers have had a week of basketball. They've played three games since we last recorded uh, over the weekend. Lost to the Mavericks again. Also lost to the Pacers. Beat the Celtics. Beat the Celtics 102-94. to um, Leaving us at 22-48, and uh, 13th in the East. I think the over-under as far as betting this year for the Cavaliers was 21.5, so anyone who bet in the Cavs to win the over or take the over, you can now relax with that last win. Um, overall, it was just nice to see a win, I think. It was nice to see them play well. Obviously, they had the game against the uh, the Suns a while back that went to overtime, and that was a good effort. Um, but there was, it was nice to see, even if there were some complications to winning at this point in the year. Um just nice to see him play a complete game and win comfortably. It was just it was it was a, it was a fun watch. Um, overall, we've continued with the uh, pretty much Darius Garland list. Um, Colin Sexton run Cavs. Uh, Sexton I think has continued to play well. Uh, I think had struggled with a little bit of an injury in that Pacers game. Ended up only shooting twenty seven percent from the field. Went seven of twenty six. Still ended with twenty five points. Uh, has been you know the focal point of the offense continuing through all these games. Ended up with the 28 against the Celtics as well. Um, Amadou, looking at what Colin Sexton has been able to do, and the, the discourse with him, you know, continues to be small guard who can't really pass and who's just a scoring guard. Uh, had seven assists against the Mavericks and eight against both the Celtics and Pacers. Um, 
you know, I, I still think that there are misses that he, you know, he plays that he misses, passes that he misses. But at the same time, I think he's still making a lot of the right reads, and it's not like he's passing up his own open looks just to force passes and try to, you know, hunt assists. Have you been happy with the kind of playmaking role that he's kind of grown into here with having to take over the lead ball handler role? Yeah, I've definitely been happy with Colin's production. Um, just continuing to silence those critics. You know, obviously now, especially with the roster, how it's looking now, the injuries that we have, it isn't the best suited for his play style, but um, he's gotten chemistry with guys like uh, Kevin Love. Just continuing to get that chemistry with Jared Allen. You know, um, when Darius Garland is here, they seem to have that connection, him and Jared Allen. So that's great. Uh, I was really happy with the two-man game between him and Kevin Love yesterday, especially, though. Um, it looked like those two were really in sync, and I just can't complain from what we've seen from Sexton. Well, Kevin Love looking as alive as we have seen him against the Celtics. Uh, ended with 30 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, shot well from three, went six for nine. Ten from 16 from the field overall. Um, hit all four of his free throws. Just looked energized in a way that I don't think he necessarily had. Looked like he really kind of wanted to come out and play hard. Uh, and obviously it was their last home game of the season. And, you know, I think they had, they may have had some extra motivation just from that standpoint being that it is your last home game and you haven't, you know, done very well as of late. So it's understandable that they would have come out and played harder. Also, the Celtics playing without Kemba Walker, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown uh, helps with that, that they were starting. Tremont Waters and Aaron Neesmith, you know, got heavy minutes you know, off their bench. They're playing Luke Cornett, uh, Carson Edwards a lot, you know, not a lot for Carson Edwards, but they're... they're Digging deep into their bench, the only two guys that didn't play for them were Jabari Parker and Taco Fall. Um, overall, Dan, where did that come from for Kevin Love? And did you see it coming? I, I think it was just might have been due. It, there's not much really to take away. It's just kind of just is is it, why it's always been kind of tantalizing with Kevin Love that. Uh, when he's on as a shooter and, and plays how he's capable, obviously this is better than he's than he's capable, you would say. But it, it's just unfortunate. And it kind of, I guess, in a way, you kind of see why the Cavs signed him when they did. Just because of the shooting capabilities that he has. is still has the capability, I guess, to be one of the elite shooting bigs in the league. And, and is when he's feeling right and as Fido reported there's people in the organization that don't think he's might not ever be back to fully how he was which at this point there's been injury issues on and off isn't the entirety with him well not entirety but a good while here Um, I think essentially other than the first two years so what's to make of that who knows but it was I guess good to see him do well I, I like Kevin the dude um, but it's just unfortunate that we haven't seen maybe not 30, but these kind of 24 ish nights. And it's, it's unfortunate that the injuries have just piled up as they have been. But I, I guess for, um, the fan appreciation, I would have you, um, sure. I, I guess half a thumbs up. I think looking at the sustainability of this type of performance for Kevin Love, uh, the reason he was able to do it is because he shot six for nine from three, which 
was a hot shooting night. You know, he was hitting on some rather difficult attempts. And, yeah, they were tough. You know, overall, overall, he's pretty good at the kind of, you know, pump, sidestep shot. Um, right. But he was hitting, th- he was hitting those consistently. You're not going to ever see him shoot more than one, one dribble. No. But, or you know, he was, he was hitting those. He was hitting some deep shots. Um, it was kind of good to see him crash the glass a little bit. Uh, we kind of noted here in the past that that's just not something he's been doing lately, and I didn't really think he was capable of doing it to that level. Um, and, you know, a lot of them well, were just kind of being in the right... Rebounds, I don't and think, I was just going to say, you know, a lot of them were just kind of being in the right spot at the right time more than anything. But, but 14 is was, 14. So. 14 is 14, and he was... And he they're, was not Andre Drummond, they're not Andre Drummond rebounds, to be, to be clear. No, Kevin Love, at the end of the game, to get his 29th and 30th points... Had the ball like right on the block. I think Sexton dumped it off to him, and he actually just yeah. put it up on the glass and made it. The Andre Drummond right there probably gets three offensive rebounds because he misses three shots and just keeps on getting it. But um, anyway, Amadou, does it does this change anything in your eyes with Kevin Love uh, after a performance like this? I think it's nice to see. And you know, at the end of the day, we, we talk about you know just his commitment to this team um, and the level of like care that he's playing with at this point in the year. I think it's nice to see from that standpoint that like he is still trying to be engaged, if that makes sense. But overall, does the situation change at all from a game like this for you? Yeah, I'm not sure the situation really changes. It does show at least that he's still capable of having you know a game like this. It doesn't have to be 30 points all the time, but just showing that he's engaged, really aggressive on offense is what we ask for for Kevin Love at this point. But I don't know if there was a motivation from it being potentially his last home game as a Cleveland Cavalier, it being fan appreciation night, also the last game, home game for Andrews of Verizal. I mean, all of that could have went into it, but all in all, I don't really think this changes the situation. I still think that the situation is more on the sour side. We'll see what the Cavs look to do in this offseason, but I'm just happy that we saw this from him, considering everything that's going on. You mentioned Anderson Verzo, obviously, playing in his last home game as a Cleveland Cavalier. Um, assuming assuming that the Cavaliers don't re-sign him, which I think we can all assume. But um, anyway, I thought he had a fun game. Uh, came in for three minutes in the first half. I believe it was in the second quarter. Uh, grabbed a couple of rebounds, made a couple shots. Obviously, he hit another one of those mid-range buckets. Um, had another one where it was kind of a shake and bake and ended up falling down, but got the shot to go off the, I believe he was on the right side of the basket off the glass. He well, was, used his right he was, hand at least. He was used Luke's his right father hand at on least. that. What did he say? I said oh, he was uh, Luke's father on that one. Yeah, he, he put him he put him to work. But um, overall, Dan, what if you, I'm going to say, I, I think we were all kind of taken back, and I know we were all kind of taken back by the, the Anderson Verishaw signing at first. Um. What have you thought of his play overall? Like, I think, has he done more than you've expected at this point? Because obviously being off for a couple of years, I think he's actually, like, aside from the fact that he just cannot move his feet for anything, I think it looks like he doesn't look rusty as a basketball player out there to me, really. Yeah, it's almost like his his mind is is there, so to speak, but he can't physically do what, what he wants to. Uh, but he's made some nice passes kind of here and there. and Had two assists. In the, his, or no, never yeah. mind, never mind. But I don't think he had, had a couple assists. Yeah, I don't remember which game that was specifically. But, um, yeah, it, he he is a really good rebounder, always had been, um, even though he was often a bench player. But the, the positional sense is there. That's kind of what's stood out to me. A little bit of 
splashes. I guess you could say what has it been like two shots in the mid range. Okay, um, but as you said, just physically can't move. But it, it's been fun to kind of just see him in there, like just like kind of just throw him out there for a quick bit here. Um, it, it's been exactly what I thought it would have been. I'm sure everybody that's what you'd think, and he's 38 and had hadn't been playing professionally in what two years or what can't remember the exact date, but. Um, it just, I'm not going to grill Anderson Virgil. This is a massively, like, massive grain of salt. But I, given the, all the injuries and all this stuff, I'm not going to, like, I haven't been reading into net ratings as much as of late because it's just, there's just been, it who is knows at this point. At this point. Yeah. <laughs> but just to, he ha- does have a minus forty one point one net rating. So in in near in seven point seven minutes in four appearances. So that pretty much tells you. But it's it's been fun to kind of just see him thrown in there because let's face it, the Cavs really have not been. You would think not exactly in quotes trying to win. So I didn't even click on the article. I think it was Joe Varden that wrote it. Uh, I'm I'm not going to oh, read God, it. Oh God, that was the, but, ugh. Did you read it? The Joe, the Joe yeah, Varden, yes. Anderson Virgil signing was a mistake. Joe, typical, I guess, uh, grim Joe. Like I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. It's just all doom and gloom. Yep, Amadou was was signing was signing Anderson Virgil uh, to a ten day contract at the end of a season in which the Cavaliers aren't playing for anything. Was that was that just a horrible mistake in your eyes? <laughs> yeah, I just don't know where that horrible mistake comes from. I mean. It's just shining light in a, in a situation at the time where, you know, the Cavaliers were, it just was really gloomy for us. Um, just a little spark in the season. I believe it was a great season. I mean, it didn't stop us from signing some guy who's going to, you know, who's just out there that maybe another team will sign is going to turn into a perennial all-star or something like that, that people, people think this is going to happen or something. But I, I liked it. Um, if we could go and do it again, I'd definitely do it. I mean, we already have guys like Jeremiah Martin and Broderick Thomas, you know, Dean Wade. Yeah, we're Mark developing Stevens, enough exactly. minimum right. guys here. Exactly. So I don't know where the the space for another minimum two-way guy would come from. But, yeah, I, mean, I'm, I, I was all for the signing then. I'm still all for the signing now. Well, Fee, Fee looks like the second coming of Joel Embiid. So, come on. Well, let's talk about Fee. Fiandu Cavangale, Dan, I, I have the sense that you're warming up to him here a little bit. Uh, didn't shoot the ball well, he, he, mainly because he was taking threes. Uh, went 0-4 for, for three against the Celtics. But has been getting, you know, his share of minutes in these past, I mean, really six, I mean, over this run that the Cavaliers have had of losing, uh, Fiandu has gotten in and gotten minutes. And I'm, I'm slowly starting more and more to warm up to what he can, what he can bring on the floor. Um, I think one... Just the inconsistent playing time that he's gotten, um, well, with the Clippers the past couple of years, I think that kind of carried over to the start here with the Cavs when we first signed him. I, I just think he's kind of developed a rhythm and is getting used to actually playing in every game. Uh, you can just tell I think he looks a little bit more comfortable on the floor at this point. Um, like I said, the, the shot from outside still comes and goes a little bit, um, but did finish 5 for 7 with 14 points against the Mavericks in their second game against them. Uh, I thought his look good overall, you know, continues to look good as a rebounder, as, uh, you know, able to grab both offensive and defensive rebounds. Uh, even even saw a little bit of shot blocking in him. He had three blocks in the game against the Celtics. Um, a couple really, you know, impressive plays there. 
Dan, are you starting to warm up to Fiondo a little bit? Well, hmm. I don't know about warm up. I, I, I definitely haven't cooled on Fiondo. Um, there is, again, we, we've kind of hit on it. There, there's pick and pop, I would say, potential with Kevin Gale, and that's that's what they're looking at here. They're just kind of throwing something at the dartboard. I get it. Um, as you, you know, I mean, you have hit on ad nauseum, it's, it, there's it, no risk for it. Um, so sure. I, I guess to me, there's a possibility, like he could potentially be a third five. If you want to keep that, um, just, I don't know, with the way both of the, or I guess the way Hardy plays, there's a possibility maybe if he actually does have a real role if, and or if he's brought back. Um, that you could maybe see like maybe some injury issues, kind of minor stuff, so that maybe that's a guy you're looking at to kind of be that somewhat emergency five guy when we're actually trying to like, really pull things together. But yeah, it's you see some traits from him. There's some maybe untapped potential there. Just has a really, it's almost like a line drive shot though. It's I, I'm trying to, it's just a little odd. In that way, but he 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 plays really, 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 really hard. So I, I got to give it to him on that. We've talked a lot about just the the, the positional versatility being limited with Kevin Gale. Uh, yeah. As all of these injuries have kind of piled up, though, we've seen them kind of experiment with him at the four. And I think against the Celtics, they may have found a little bit of something to where kind of like a type of matchup where you can play Kevin Gale on the floor with another center, be it Jared Allen or Anderson Verjo or whoever else. Um, I think against those kind of Grant Williams types, just I guess mainly just guys that aren't going to beat you off the dribble. Um, I think Fiondu has at least some viability, and it's obviously not something that you're going to rely on like at important stretches of the game or you know in, in more than just spurts where you do have a guy like Grant Williams on the floor playing the four. Um, but I think that it kind of works out a little bit, especially when you're in a pinch like this with injuries. Uh, I, I think... Against that matchup, he's at least capable of, you know, shifting over to the power forward spot for a little bit. Uh, and as the shooting develops as well, I think that'll be, you know, more of a viable option. Uh, Amadou, what have you thought of Kevin Gailey just over this run? And do you kind of agree or disagree with what I'm saying? Yeah, I definitely agree with, um, you know, the matchmaking and positional takes of him playing to four against a guy like Grant Williams, who, you know, is sort of on the bigger end of a four. You know, not not height-wise, but, you know, sort of kind of a thick player. Um, not someone who's going to beat you off the dribble, not someone who's going to really, you know, it's, it's not more flying of a, off yeah, the screens, exactly. not, yeah, exactly. So against those type of players, it's great. But besides that, uh, at the five, he's, he's fine. You know, the three point shooting, we saw it in Indiana, you know, he made a couple and then he just sort of got tried to attempt a lot more than I think he should have. And that kind of continued in this game right here, but Overall, yeah, I mean, I've been happy. He's taken the most out of his opportunities. Uh, we see him playing extremely hard, you know, crashing the boards. Um, I would like to see him set more screens, but, you know, at only, what, is he 6'8", 6'9", 250? I mean, it's, it's going to be kind of difficult. He's not a Jared Allen type, but I, I, I can't complain. You know, I can't complain. Well, I almost feel like, and, and Dan, we were talking about it just before we recorded, talking about Andre Drummond and kind of just being the – subpar screen setter that he is I almost feel like Fiondu is really the type of guy that can set good screens just because not to the extent of Drummond where 
I mean, Drummond is just a big, wide dude, but Fiondu is like a, a thick guy. He's, I feel like he, you know, he's capable and he's big to where, you know, he's not going to get moved on screens as easily as even like a Jared Allen, who I think is, you know, a little bit thinner. Uh, I, I do definitely think that that is something that we can, you know, look at it. Another thing in the offseason that you can work on with a guy like that, but that's another thing that he should be capable of doing moving forward. Um, I guess I want to talk a little bit about Roger Thomas here. Uh, another guy who has seen an uptick, an uptick in his minutes. Uh, I think we've we've seen him mostly play off ball in this stretch, and overall, you know, he hasn't been super effective in his time on the floor. But I think we we see some flashes of the shot creation abilities. Uh, we still kind of see the defensive, you know, abilities of him and just the length, and you know, continuing to find ways to block shots. Uh, we, we have seen him on ball a little bit, and I think he's done okay in those situations. Um, still looks, you know, confident enough in his handle. Not necessarily the handle of, you know, an average rotation point guard, I wouldn't say. But getting there, you can say. And had 10 rebounds against the Celtics as well. Um, as, as we kind of, you know, continue to watch Brodrick more and more, and I'll go back to you on this one, Amadou. Um, I don't know. Do you think that we're... How far away do you think we are from a time when we could see Broderick have like a legitimate role on this team? Hmm. It's interesting because it also depends on who the Cavs look to add in the offseason and such. But I want to hope not, not, not too far away because his play over these last you know few or so games has been great to watch. I mean, he's really taking advantage of the opportunities he's had um, as a shot creator, um, somewhat as a defender. Um, and I like that, you know, he's impacting the game, even though sometimes his shot may not be falling, like you said, in that last Boston game. He didn't shoot the best, but 10 rebounds for a, a wing player is always great. Um, I, I like that, especially in a night, too, when, you know, we don't really have a certified backup center. You know, we see, you know, Kevin Galley and Verizal, you know, playing some of those minutes as well. I, I like that, but um, I hope that's not too far away. I feel like he's kind of that prototypical modern-day NBA wing. I mean, he's a a big wing. He's what, six six to six seven, something like that. He might even be bigger with a nice handle. Um I want to see the shot come on a little bit more. But yeah, man, this this last stretch has been good and hopefully, you know, the Cavs look to give him a shot. Looking up Roger Thomas's height real quick. I think he's like six uh, four and a half, six five. I was gonna say Do like six five. So? Yeah, he's six five okay. is Google has him listed as six five. But well, anyway shoes, I guess you could say that's that's like what, six six, six seven then? Or is that well, I, I think yeah. with shoes. I think like the NBA site has guys like with shoes. I, okay. I think like I'm. I'm like. Is it with shoes? I'm, I think? Well, I, they, their official is is what they have in their website. Because back in the day, like Kevin Love was listed at six ten for, I like up until maybe two years ago, and he's yeah. listed and at six eight now. Everything. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that like last year or maybe two years ago, the NBA started. Yeah, you know, I think they, they, they tweet how they measure yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But either way, I mean, you know, I think still more of a natural kind of two guard, but has the ability to, you know, I, I still don't really trust him running the point right now. But I think you know, there's there's a world where he gets to that point where he can, uh, and definitely in some kind of three guard lineups is capable of being. You know, that kind of guard slash wing and the guy who guards the biggest of, you know, that that three-man group. Um, I've liked what I've seen from him. I think, obviously, still very raw and still makes a lot of mistakes, but also makes some really, really good plays as well. Um, Dan, I'll kind of ask you the same thing, I guess. Um, how far away are we, do you think, from Broderick being like a legitimate rotation player? 
Uh, legitimate. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with Amadou. It kind of depends on what they do in the offseason. If they were to get a – like if they were to get a Keon or Jalen Green or uh, like a Jaden Springer maybe, um, especially like via trade down or e- even a guy that's kind of like a point forward type in like a Franz Wagner or – like, to me, again, I have my my warts with when it comes to Jay Yasmin. We all do when it comes to the shooting stuff. But to me, I'd rather have him for at least a good bit next season if he is still around, just given the prior trade rumors, who knows. But I'd rather have him as kind of like a de facto one instead. And it, with Thomas, I, I don't – there's some flashes of shot stuff. Um, but I, I don't know if he's really like a viable like off ball player. I think he actually, has, to me, has had some nice vision. I think that's kind of what stood out. But um, defensively, like I, I don't know. I mean, if he's a guy you play like eight or nine minutes, just as kind of like a give like a Sexton Garland like a breather guy to put on like point of uh, like he's a really good point of attack defender. I think. I think that's like his IQ has been there too. That's been on display, and even Mac even tweeted out like I I see signs of like D Wade like is a like defensively from him. Well, I him. think you you see just kind of the help defense instincts, yeah, and, and I, obviously I, the one that you can kind of draw a comparison to is just the ability to block shots as a guard. Right. right. Yeah, I think he. I don't know. I can't remember what exactly his wingspan was, but he plays like long. I, I guess you could say in that way, and just has really good intuition. Um, and feel uh, in that end of the floor, especially like as you said. But there are some times where he's like over aggressive and has had some sh- shooting fouls like on shooters, which is not what you want to see. But for a guy, I mean, the circumstances, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blame him for that. But to me, it's 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 very situational. If that's how you're like, there's a lot of nuance involved. If that's what you're thinking, but. If they were to get a guy, like if they were to get another guard via the draft or free agency, which I think could happen, like if you were to get, like I'm not ever playing him, honestly, I would rather not play him at the three. I'd just rather not put him in that situation. But um, defensively, has looked really good. But to me, like Lamar is way more of like an actual rotation player. And it, just given his build. I'm with you there. Like yeah. to me, build when it comes to those kind of fringe guys matters a lot more than than like a key guy that can is like a bucket getter or key shot and or passing creator. And with him, there's just, it's an, it was a nice, like he's been like an, like I see what they were going with, with him, but like is way more like actually playable and like meaningful stretches in, in game than Jeremiah Martin. But again, Martin, like we got to understand that this is the calf situation right now. You got to, get what they're getting at there so to me he's, well, he's, Martin, he's pretty yeah. far away though just honestly i i agree with you you know for what it's worth i think just the shooting has to be so much more consistent than it is right now uh but i, just, I don't he's think he's just not form, much of a um, not much of a driving threat that's the problem like i don't think he ever not, he's not either if you can't get to the line like a real threat to that's a big problem to me I think he's shown a little bit of a you know capability of working in the mid range and getting shots there a little bit, yeah, which yeah. is encouraging to where you know he will be able to kind of create his own shot. Um, but 
overall, like I said, I think just shooting consistency is going to be important for him. I, I don't think his form is bad. No, no, I don't it think doesn't there's any bad, you know, no. major adjustment that needs to be made. He just kind of needs to get more Seems consistent. Seems to get a lot of it. lift on, on a lot of shots, too. Mm-hmm. Like off the bounce, yeah. which, which helps. Mm hmm. Uh, one more guy I do want to talk about, and I think we have to talk about, is Isaac Okoro, who we continue to see, obviously, without, you know, so many of our ball handlers playing, being Darius Garland, Matthew Delvadova, Jetty Osmond. We're seeing Isaac Okoro with the ball in his hands a lot more, and hasn't particularly been a super efficient shooter in these past three games. Uh, goes 5 for 15 against the Mavericks, I believe. What was it? I'm pulling it out. 8 for 20 against the Pacers, and then, you know, yesterday against the Celtics goes 6 for 14, uh, which isn't horrible. But I do just enjoy watching him with the ball in his hands because I think, one, it's it's just, it's a very important point in the season for him, just development-wise, for him to get these looks and get these opportunities. Uh, And I think we're seeing him, we've talked a lot about how his handle needs to improve. Uh, He looks confident as a ball handler bringing the ball up the floor. Uh, in a way that I think a lot of other guys don't. Um, and he's still not, you know, at a point where, you know, he has an elite handle by any stretch. But I think as time goes on, we're, we're kind of continuing to see him. I, I just, I like to see him be more aggressive and get more opportunities to drive to the rim. Uh, obviously, the threes haven't been falling at a super high clip either. Uh, it's been inconsistent all year long. That's been no different here as of late. Um, only have the, you know, the Celtics box score up in front of me right now, but went over three. Uh, in that game from outside. But overall, you know, continuing to get to the line some and just, I, I think overall, doing a good job finishing inside. Um, Amadou, what have you thought of just Isaac Okoro having more kind of, I guess, guard responsibilities as of late? I love it. I'm just going to continue to preach his improved aggression. I, I love that he's not hesitant on, you know, some of these things that he were. Um, early on the year, um, against the, his ball handling has really improved against the Celtics. He had a nifty, uh, Euro step make over Tristan Thompson. Uh, that was great. I'm loving the step back threes. Um, like Dan is saying though, more, you know, that mid range game. We seen a couple last night and throughout the week and such like that. I'm just, I'm just liking that he's continuing to stay aggressive, um, stay persistent and looking to add more to his game rather than just a scoring. We saw him last night with six assists. That's great to see. Uh, the shot attempts, you know, his, his field goal percentage is, you know, down, but I like to see that he's at least attempting those shots. Dan, do you think that Isaac Okoro has a real shot at an all-rookie team? I don't think he's probably an all-first-team guy, but no, I definitely, oh, no. like, I think that there's a very strong case to make for Isaac Okoro on second team. Yeah, I just think when you look at the defensive workload he's had, I can't remember who the ringer guy that wrote the article was, but it was really interesting. Um, basically, through whatever metric it was, he had basically has had like game to game the eighth toughest uh, like matchup uh, workload, you could say. Um, I, I, I apologize. I can't remember who wrote that, but it was really good. But um, yeah, I just think with him, it's it's the Defensive workload he's had, um, the competitiveness, the, I mean, other than early in the season when I think he missed like, what was it, like four or five games? What was it, like a like foot issue? Um, and then had missed a couple due to like COVID protocols, but has been really durable. Um, I, I think just the burden he's had, what is he, what is he like top 10 in minutes played or something? Um, and 
yeah, I think for a rookie, especially in this kind of COVID-induced or affected season, um, especially with like the condensed schedule and all the stuff that's been going on with the Cavs, I think that's um, admirable what he's been able to do in that way. Um, just to and really is is improved as the year has progressed, and it, he hasn't really been able to. It just seems like when they kind of gave him that nudge, um, has been able to be more confident and uh, not a like not the. There have been some splash guys, but not the best rookie class, so to speak. But I think it's fair. Um, I think the rookie ladder he was either tenth or ninth in the last one. Um, I, I think, okay, well, I, I just think it's for a second-team guy, given the workload he's had and the minutes share and uh, just kind of how he's steadily progressed, just kind of kept his head down. I think that's that's enough to be a second-team guy, given that it's not a great rookie class. But we're seeing the flashes, and when he's able to get the, the opportunities and kind of given a nudge, he can be, he's, he in a couple of years might be might really be something. Even next year, I'm honestly. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with I, I you. think next year, it's. I don't think it's far-fetched. It, it obviously depends what the draft situation is, whatever. But I, I think it's – it, so with Garland, it was basically like a near six-point um, – or I'm mean, sorry, like near five-point ad. And, and then the assist stuff. Like I, I don't think a, a near five-point uh, – like four to five-point Add next year is out of the, out of the question. No, not at all. I'm interested to hear where you're at on this Amadou. Uh, just as far as all rookie teams go, uh, by the time we record next, I, I think we'll, we'll probably see it'll probably end up being like Sunday night. I'm not sure yet, but we're not too far away from you know all NBA and everything else being announced. Um, I think obviously Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Tyrese Halliburton are the top three. Uh, you know, the debate of who the Rookie of the Year is is a debate for another podcast. We're not going to talk about that here. But outside of that, you kind of have other guys like uh, Sadiq Bey, Jayshon Tate, uh, Desmond Bain, and Emmanuel Quickly, as I kind of have as that next next tier. Um, but then after that, you kind of have the grouping of, you know, I don't know, Patrick Williams. Maybe you put James Wiseman in that kind of realm. Um, Isaiah Stewart, maybe Cole Anthony, maybe although Cole's missed quite a bit of time too. IQ has got to be. I like, think he's like a top like four guy too, even right. Do you think? Oh yeah, I I, I, I would so. put him on my first team, but I oh yeah yeah. Think That's it's all like, I think he's been like the fourth best. I'm saying. Interesting. Anyway, I'll, I'll get back to that, Dan. But I think Okoro has to be one of the second team guys, right, Amadou? Um. I won't say yeah. it has to be, but it's like yeah, at least firmly. I think right now he's there. firmly there for in the that, mix. In the mix, yeah, it just depends on how the voting goes. Obviously, um, had a lot of rookies miss time this year, whether it's due to COVID or injuries. So I think all of that will be interesting to see how the NBA puts all that in. But yeah, I, I can confidently say that uh, right as of right now, Isaac Okoro is is firmly in the race for second team. I think honestly, yes, he does deserve a spot. I guess we can debate this real quick, Dan. Uh, who would you put on your first team, all rookie? Because obviously, I have uh, Lamelo, Howell, Burton, and, and Edwards. I had uh, Bay, and then I was kind of struggling. It's Sadiq Bay, and I was struggling between Tate and Quickly. Wh- who were your guys there? See, to me, I, I love what Jay Sean Tate is doing. He's a great story. 
Um, actually, I, I was in a class with him back in the day in college, but um, just a really tough, gritty player. Um, I, I love what he's doing. It's a great story. Um, but you got to factor in, like, he, he's getting a lot more run in the situation that he's in in Houston. And they're they're kind of giving him some touches here, like a, a good bit, too. Um, I, I just think it's kind of more so the situation he's in. He's done a really good job defensively from what I've seen. Um, and I, I again, a, a guy that's really fun to watch has been KJ Martin. He's been really fun, but, um, I, I like what Houston kind of has down there. They, they got something brewing to an extent. Um, that, that should be a team to watch here, but to me, just with how quickly he's been able, like he hasn't gotten a ton of minutes because of how Tibbs is and how he's, how ridiculous he is when it comes to rookies, even though the guy is basically their best shooter. It's kind of shocking, but um, I, I just think with the under 20 minutes a game for him to have 12, shoot 40% from three, he's done a really, I think he's, they should be putting the, the ball in his hands a, a lot more than they have been. Um, I, I just think with how he, I know that defensively they've, they've been working their tails off, whatever. Um, but I, I just think the touch he has, um, the off bounce shooting, just the, um, like per 36, he's, he's averaging 22 points a game. Like he's, how many games has he played 36 minutes? It's just hard to, hard to say right now what he would like to me, he should be playing a lot more than he's been. Um, just how he's impacted winning. Uh, and what was he, the 26th pick? I, I just think he's he's been a revelation, frankly. And that's that's the key with me. Well, shifting back over to the Cavs a little bit. Uh, like I said, they are 22 and 48 now, uh, which is good for 13th in the East. Uh, they are below the Timberwolves in the standings by a half game. Uh, and they are above the Magic, Thunder, and Pistons, and Rockets. So they, they stand at the fifth best odds right now uh, with a Timberwolves loss tonight. Uh, that would kind of put them right there even with them. Uh, they do play the Nuggets, and the Magic also play the Hawks. So there are a couple games to watch uh, for tonight. But the Cavaliers having the fifth best, the fifth best odds right now. Um, I don't know. Obviously, you feel good, and it's just refreshing to see them win a game. But at this point, Amadou, <laughs> I feel like that win does kind of put them in a disadvantage. You know, and not and well, I won't say not necessarily an advantageous spot in the kind of lottery odds and tank race. Um, being that, like, they're okay. So they're they're twenty two and forty eight. The Magic are twenty one and forty eight. The Pistons are 20 and 50. The Thunder are 21 and 49. The, the Houston Rockets are going to stay in last, and that's pretty much clear at this point. But I don't know. How do you, how do you react to a win like that, I guess, is what I'm trying to, you know, get at. Um, do, you, do, do you feel uneasy after a win like that? Yeah. Um, if this was three, four years ago, then yeah, I could see being upset with a loss like this, but with the new lottery odds and, and just how easy it is for a team to jump up and how, you know, we've seen it happen to us twice, back-to-back drafts where, you know, we had the second best odds and fell to fifth. A lot can happen in a draft. So I don't think a win like this one is really upsetting. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I think if we would have lost this game, we would have been where? I think we would have been 
we would have had the tie with the Thunder. I mean, yeah, for the third best odds. That 3.5% means a lot. It definitely does. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how it ends, especially concerning the fact that, like we talked about multiple times, um, we have the Nets coming at the end of the season. And they're, they're still fighting for the one seed. It depends, you know, where they are, you know, by the time uh, that game comes. We could see, you know, guys like KD, Kyrie, Harden all sit out, guys who have all dealt with injuries and such this season. I think I don't even think Kyrie will be playing in that game anyway because he has that face contusion. I'm not sure what's going on with that. You know, Harden just came back from his hamstring issues. Um, Kevin Ransi can be doing fine. But I, it would just make so much sense for the for Steve Nash to rest those guys. And, I mean, you know, still even, even, even though still, you know, the Nets still have a great squad besides those three. So that game's a toss-up. The Wizards game, you know, Bradley Bills and playing that game. But, you know, the Wizards are still looking to make the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see that. I'm, I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. You know, teams like Thunder, the Thunder have really, really, really embraced tanking. Um, just looking to play those young guys over. I mean, we see them. We saw them send Al Horford I mean, They've home. set Al Horford exactly. at this point. Yeah. So I would definitely have liked the Cavs to follow suit in that. But at the same time, I, I can't really get too mad at the loss. I don't feel like a loss like that one is going to be as impactful as probably some people are thinking. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, because of that, you know, we fall from fifth, fall to eighth or something. I'm not sure. But I don't, I don't, with the new odds, I'm, I'm more okay with that happening now than if it would have happened four or five years ago. Well, I think one of the biggest things to look at in this kind of race uh, is say they were in the third worst odds. Uh, or the third best odds, rather, third worst record, uh, which is where the Thunder are right now. Um, the worst spot they could get in was seventh, uh, with a seven percent chance of landing there. Uh, the Thunder, as of right now, again in the in the third best odds, have a twenty six percent chance uh, in sixth, and then going down, it's fourteen point eight, twelve, twelve point seven, thirteen point four, and fourteen. Uh, the Cavaliers. Uh, I don't expect them to go to ninth, but they, they could slip all the way to ninth where they're at. Uh, 0.6%, so there's really not a real chance of that happening there. But I think even when you're looking at, you know, those kind of outside odds, the Cavaliers do have a 26.7% chance of landing in seventh uh, compared to, you know, sixth. So I think that's kind of where you're, you're looking at is just that race to kind of get into the top five. I think it's going to be a lot easier for, you know, when you look at winning the lottery, obviously it is very difficult and completely random to win the lottery at this point. Um, but I just think the further you creep up is, you know, the, the better odds that you have of getting a top five pick. And I do think that there's, you know, a, a legitimately good chance of doing that. So that's kind of where I think it, it makes you a little bit more uneasy, especially in what is, you know, widely kind of considered a, a five top player draft. Dan, what do you make of the whole situation and... I don't know. Do these wins make you uneasy at this point, or are you just kind of happy to get them when you can? I, I wouldn't say uneasy. I'm kind of with Amadou here, um, just because how the new lotter, new-ish lottery is. We truly, it's 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 a bit of a crapshoot. I would say um, it, it is. Well, the other reason is in the last two years they've been in the bottom. They've had tied for the best odds, and they've been fifth. So I. I just and let's face it, the Cavs have had what four top picks in the last what eighteen years? Is it seventeen or eighteen? So frankly, Cavs fans shouldn't be upset. Like it, that, they kind of lucked out. I mean, the one year 
with Irving, didn't they have what did they have? they had like the eighth best odds for I that, think right? That year for I, yeah, they had the Clippers pick, and that was I thought that was oh two. yeah, well yeah. with like yeah, the, the Baron Davis deal. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. What were our odds? That with was the, the Clip- that pick? was the Clippers pick. The Clippers, right? I think the Clippers pick was fourteenth, right? So it, that's what was it fourteenth? Yeah, you're right. You're right, you're right. I, I, I don't know if it was fourteenth. I think actually. it was. I think it might have been a little bit higher. Eighth. Mm, okay. I think it was eighth. Oh, yeah, it might have been eighth, and I think ours, still, like our original pick, was the one we that were was supposed up to be top. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, we were up top exactly. So. But I'm just trying to think of all of them now. But yeah, you're right. I I don't know. It, it's it's hard to read into that. I mean. Let's face it; they could have been ended out on a fourteen game losing streak, and. I don't know. The, the Celtics had a ton of key guys out, and who yeah. knew Kevin Love was going to have the game of his season? I, I didn't really honestly expect that. I thought he played decently well, but not that extent. And I don't know. It, it's it, I think people are freaking out a little bit too, too much, and it, it's tough to say that because they still have – I don't know. There's a good shot they get a four top four pick anyway, and this is a deep draft. Like a sixth or seventh pick isn't the end of the world. Like to me, you're still getting like this draft specifically. You're you're definitely getting well if they have some sense, like an impact player there, which to me means don't get Jalen Johnson or Kai Jones. I'd get a little bit more, but I still would rather them not do that. Just in my opinion, um, but there's a, I, I would think there's a possibility that they would maybe find a way to get a trade down in there too. But I, I'm with Amadou. I think people are kind of it's a little bit freaking out given that they've had the best odds the last two years, and we've seen how that's turned. I think that's fair, and I just looking at these last couple of games too. Uh, I I think that the Wizards will try to win. Oh, I think uh, they want. Yeah, I, I, I think that is. That's I, they want to lock in their playing spot. I think that yeah. Daniel Gafford, um, by the way, killing it. Playing, that's yeah, he's playing great basketball right now. Like that guy's a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, he is not and, and, and the, Felicio. Not. No, he is not. <laughs> no, but um, against the Nets, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what to make of that game because obviously. You know, at that point, you think teams like that generally rest guys, but they are still kind of in the mix where they're they want to maintain their playoff position. Can we as just well. say one thing um, here, real quick? Yeah. What? Please do not play Garland and Osmond. Why would they play them? I was just gonna actually like, get to why? that in a minute. Yeah. For what reason? They don't. They don't need to see any. Like, come on, just why? That's all I was gonna say. I was just going to say really quickly, um, I think that James Harden might play in that I game. I think he will. I think he might finish they up the season just because they he's just get now get getting back. He's Exactly. That's my point. So I, I do think yeah. that James Harden will probably play in that game, and that alone you know, is probably enough to put him over, to tip him over the scale. But, yeah, I wanted to get into that. Uh, both, as you said, Dan, uh, Darius and Jetty listed as questionable right now against the Wizards. Um, I guess – yeah, I know. I guess you've given your case. Um, do you want to make yours as to why they should or shouldn't play? I, I'm with Dan. They shouldn't play. It doesn't really make sense. It's two games left in the season. We're still trying to hopefully improve our odds. And what's the point in risking injury for Garland or Jetty 
with two meaningless games left in the season. I mean, it just it just doesn't make sense all around. I feel like they should both sit out. I, for the most part, am with you guys. I wouldn't hate to see Darius come back and just get a couple more games under his belt to see if he can end the, end the season on a high note. Um, at the same time, if uh, if they're questionable, just don't play them. If if there's if they're not a hundred percent, don't play them. I don't really see any real purpose to doing so, uh, especially like you said in games that aren't like as we have just been discussing for the past ten minutes aren't you know must win games by any stretch. Um, if you if you win them, you win them. If not, oh well. But I'd much rather yeah. love to see guys like you know Jeremiah Martin and Roger Thomas um, continue yeah, to see let's their just, minutes. Continue to, continue to yeah to look at those guys the rest of the way. Uh, continue to kind of let Colin take over, you know, as the the main ball handler, and let him finish out the season um, in that role, just to kind of see, you know, if he can keep it up. And obviously, there's only two games left, and it's not like it's a huge evaluation period. But I, there isn't a ton of benefit. It doesn't seem like for either of those guys to play, um, especially Jetty. In my eyes, I I just don't know what it does for you at this point. Uh, it's not really enough time. It's two games. It's not really enough time for them to, you know, find rhythm again and to work on anything. It would just be getting back out there to. Uh, I really don't have a real case to make. Um, yeah, let's get into a little bit of extension talk because I feel like that's been a topic as of late. Uh, obviously, was it Joe Varden again, Dan, that wrote the piece about how they have, the Cavs absolutely shouldn't pay Colin Sexton max Lloyd. money? It was, was that? It was Lloyd. That was Lloyd. I think you're right. It was Lloyd. Um, <laughs> which of the Cavaliers beat writers are dooms doom writing today, I guess. But anyway, there's been a lot of talk, and I believe what was it? Was it? I think you brought it to our attention, Abu, in the group chat. But it was uh, Fedor who said that they think they'll sign Colin Sexton to an extension this off season. Uh, but if it took the max to get it done, uh, there's a sense that they'd wait till restricted free agency uh, to do it. So him to kind of test the market. Uh, see if he would be able to get a max offer sheet and just let him play another season uh, at that point just to see if, you know, if he can live up to that and, you know, live up to being a max player. I'm kind of in the same camp as to where if Colin Sexton is demanding a max extension this offseason, I don't really see any reason not to wait. I'm, I'm Again, I think we're all pretty, you know, positive Collins, we're pro Colin Sexton on this podcast in general. Um, with that being said, I'm still not 100% completely sold on him being a max player. Um, you know, I think the mid-20s is, you know, even low-20s is kind of more where I would feel comfortable paying him. And again, at the end of the day, if it takes a max deal to get it done, it takes a max deal to get it done. But if you could wait it out another season and maybe let him prove that he does deserve max money at the end of next offseason... I just don't see any reason not to wait. Uh, where are you at on that, Dan? I think that's fair. Um, I think it's a reasonable take. Um, but if you could get him on, it's it's just hard to find like a, an exact parameter. Um, like, is if you could get him on, I don't know how. I, I don't know if there's a possibility that he would do it, but if you could get him on like Bradley Beal money, um, that would be, I'd be all for like that. I'd be like jumping for joy on that, but 
Um, if it could be like a four year for like one ten, again, I, I'm not saying like I'm in the know here at all. Um, like that, I would entertain, definitely would. But if they do sign him to that rookie scale max, I, I'm not going to be like to me. It's not a really a big deal just because that's setting your like he's your tone setter to me. Um, I'm not saying at all that he's like a primary option. I don't think he's like a one guy. I, I'm not saying that, but um, it's again with the the Cavs. Like I, I just don't know what trade piece is out there that you're like that's like a clear one that you could go out and get. And I, I mean, is it? Like you're not getting Zach Levine, you're you're. I don't think you're getting Jeremy Grant. So what's like again? Like, and would you trade Colin Sexton for Jeremy Grant? I wouldn't. I would not. No, absolutely wouldn't. And I, I'm just trying to think of like where there's like been some rumors, somewhat. And I don't know. I mean, did people think? Did people think that Jamal Murray should have gotten the the deal that he got? Like right when it happened, I, I think it was kind of a risk. It was I, it was yeah, betting on a jump, yeah, which absolutely was a risk. Yeah, and I, I like to me he's he's a better player than Colin, but it's not Agreed. like he, I think he's a better passer in terms of like like his work, especially like the two man game with Jokic is. It's not just Jokic; like he's damn good on it, and he 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 can make obviously like his handles is darn darn good. Like he's he's got to me like a top six seven handle in the league. Like he he's he's a pretty damn polished player. But that also is a lot of it's come after the fact. So and before he got hurt, I mean he was really getting rolling there too. And I don't know. It, it's like to me if like what is Jamal Murray in the situation that Colin Sexton would, what is in? Like what would he have been? It's 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 hard to say. Like to me, if there is, if they do sign me with Max, I'm definitely not going to be. Mad, like a lot of people would be really pissed. To me, just just my opinion. If there's a possibility, given like the Jared Allen situation, that you can't sign, like if there's a possibility, you might not sign Darius to the max. Like Sexton, I'm giving the max way quicker than Darius. That's just my opinion. Because you know, well, I just think from a durability, I think you know the base level of production that you're getting from yeah, Sexton and, at this point. He's in year three. He's twenty two. And he's been pretty damn durable. So, and honestly, with Darius, I I don't know about durable. I wouldn't say he's necessarily that. Well, he hasn't been like horribly injury prone. No, not he certainly missed his fair share of time. He would have missed. He certainly missed his time. He would have missed probably six to seven more games had the season not stopped last year too. So that I mean, if you're missing, Colin, this has been the only year. And let's face it, there it's been very precautionary. Like Darius is, look, he's still thin. Like he, Colin, I would not say is thin necessarily. Well, Colin is strong, but I'd still say he's. I mean, he's, he's not like thinner. Like I, I like he's, he's kind of wiry, I guess. But I think he's more than wiry. I, I think he's he's definitely put. Way I, I more guess put I together. should say he's more than I'm wiry. Just saying, he, like, he's he's put. The yeah. point is, there's he's just a, not big. There is a proven but. level of production. And I think, yeah, Colin, that's what we're getting, with yeah. all the BS he's had to deal with, has has been pretty darn good, and I'd be okay with that. And a lot of pe- if people are aren't, screw them. 
Yeah. At the end of the day, if if you have to give Colin Max money, I think you'd do it. It's yeah, and, but I'm with you too. A if much you, much better option than letting him if, walk. If you want to wait another year, okay. But you better again. If if you trade him, man, it's gonna no, be scorched. No. It's gonna be scorched earth. And it better. Be. Yes. I, again, and we don't know what packages are out there right now. We don't know oh, they, the next crop of guys that are going to become there available. Be, there oh, be sure, there will packages. be. I'm just saying, we don't and know what's if, available right if now. People don't, it's too early to say. don't see that, they're dumb. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, we don't know no, yet no, I'm who just the saying, next crop of players to become available are. To where, like, does this or does this not make sense? like, can get some clubs over the hump. That's just that. I, call me a homer. Sure, yeah. But let's look like look at the efficiency he's had with the joke around him. Frankly, yeah, yeah. So I think that's let's, yes. let's get Amadou's take here. <laughs> yeah, sorry to sorry to kind of catch know, you off. I, I, I have my moments, but this this one I just <laughs> it, it's just silly to me. And I, like I said, I, I am in a grants in which. I think there is absolutely no circumstance unless, like, career-altering injury, which is not a path we're going to go down right now, to where you let him walk under any circumstance. And really, I don't see a realistic, you know, I really don't see a trade being at all realistic right now either. Um, but as far as an extension goes, Amadou, would you be comfortable giving him the max this offseason? Or are you kind of in the same camp with me as where you kind of try to wait it out to see if you could maybe get a better price? If and that this is all if assuming, you know that he does demand the max this off season. I believe with everything that's going on with Colin Saxon this season, okay, all this drama, you know, the articles and such and such. I don't think anything screams more. We want you to be that guy than for the Cavaliers to give them give him an extension this off season. I feel like giving him an extension this off season proves to him that okay, we want you here, as opposed to. Waiting till next year stirs up drama. I I just really don't want to go through a year of potential trade rumors and, you know, stuff that we heard this year. I want to put that all to rest. I feel like an extension does that. And I don't even think Colin Colin is definitely not the type of person to, you know, become timid or settle with himself. He's always looking to improve. I feel like, you know, even whether we give him an extension or not, I think he's gonna be an all-star next year. That's my personal opinion. So I feel like we might as well just get it done this year. Lock him up for the next four or five years, whatever they decide to do. And I'd be more than happy with that. I, I honestly, I don't see the reason why not. Now you can say, okay, there's some areas that he has to improve on, but like we just talked about, Jamal Murray had areas to improve on and the Nuggets took the risk on him. And it paid I, off. It paid off. Exactly. He's a 24, an efficient 24 and four guard. I mean, there's just not a lot of those out there. You just, we just should just lock him up. Him and, him and, uh, Garland have a connection. We've seen they've worked well. The team can lock him up, then, you know, look to add more pieces around him to better help his game and help his numbers get better. Because, I mean, we talk about, you know, some people talk about his numbers now. And, I mean, we talk about the passing, but it's like, who who can he pass to, you know? So let's get him some, some viable options out there. You're not allowed to bring that up in the argument, though. <laughs> no you're right you're, and you have to look at his stone face man again at the same time he's put up seven assists eight assists eight assists seven eight you know six whatever he's been doing that consistently with these guys that he's passing to so and like i said it's not like he's 
passing up good open looks for himself to pass it and try and get the assist. He's he's doing it, I think, in the flow of the offense and in the flow of his game. So, yeah, I think there's definitely reason to believe that he'll improve. And I think, one, we don't know if he's going to command a max this offseason. I think there's a good chance he does. But we don't know, you know, what the number is yet. Um, and two, I, I do completely understand the point of if he doesn't get the extension this offseason, you're going to have to deal with an entire year of uncertainty. And... Sam Amico and Jason Lloyd and Joe Varden writing about, you know, which Colin Sexton trade they could make this week. Like, it's going to be that all the time. And it'll be more Garland versus Sexton. It'll be more... It'll just be... It'll be more of all of it, really. And I I do understand, and you make a valid point in just saying that an extension this offseason does put all that to rest. Uh, I just believe in the end... Um, if you believe that you can negotiate a better price by waiting, I still think it makes sense to do it. But I definitely understand both sides. Um, before we get out of here, I'd want to just talk about the one last thing on the list. Um, the Jared Allen extension, which is coming this offseason. Um, whatever decision is going to be made is going to be made this offseason with Jared Allen just because he is a restricted free agent. Um, obviously, the production has been good this year. It has tailed off a little bit as of late. Um, he dealt with a concussion and kind of had a slow start back from that. I thought got back to another high level of play um, that it has dropped off as this losing streak has kind of continued on. Uh, and even in the Boston game, they won. I thought he played okay. But it, Jared Allen is kind of limping to the finish line a little bit, it looks like. And I'm not sure if it's just an engagement thing, uh, just with the, you know, the level of play this team has had overall uh, if that's affecting him I don't know if he is dealing with some sort of minor injury I'm not sure exactly what it is but he just doesn't seem to be playing you know up to the level that he was playing at in a certain point of the year um, and I guess I'll start with you on this one Amadou um, where do you think uh, Jared Allen's extension number is at right now and do you think that this kind of late stretch of play that we've seen from him will affect his value in restricted free agency at all? So this is actually a very interesting topic. I was thinking about this last night, and so I was looking through, you know, how much other centers are being paid, and there are some contracts that you can say are kind of outlandish. Like obviously Stephen Adams' contract, I don't think you know if the Thunder or the Pelicans, if they could go back, they wouldn't do that that contract again. But, that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Looking at, you know, most of the top guys, you know, the highest paid centers, it's either extremely, extremely great offensive players or extremely, extremely great defensive players or, you know, a mix of both. Like Joel Embiid, obviously, Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Jokic, those are, you know, the pinnacle of NBA centers. And then we get down to like the Clint Capellas and the, um, you know, you can talk about the Brook Lopez's too, the Yusuf Nurkic's, uh, the Jonas Valanciunas. Those guys aren't getting those upper echelon type of contracts and I'm going to pose a question is a guy like Jonas Valanciunas how much better or worse is he than Jared Allen what about Yusuf Nurkic how much better or worse is he than Jared Allen so I feel like adding in this recent stretch of games because I feel like that is a big part um that talks about is he able to you know go through a 30 minutes a game for an entire NBA season that I feel like that's a topic that needs to be discussed as well he's sort of the lanky side so Jared Allen is, is an interesting topic. I believe now the talk of him getting somewhere between, you know, 18, 20, 
$22 million, I don't think that's a contract you give Jared Allen. I feel like Jared Allen is probably a 14 to $17 million per year type of player. Well, I'm interested, Amadou. What is the what is the so say that and I would have to look at the numbers. I haven't run everything as to you know which teams will generate, you know, how much cap space. Say the Hornets sign Jared Allen to a twenty two million dollar offer sheet per year. Do you do you match it? It definitely is tough because like you said, it does depend on the years. If it's like a four year 22 Four years, year. 88. Four years, 88. That's extremely tough. I don't want to say no, you don't match it just because there is no replacement for him, but a lot goes into it. I feel like most of Jared Allen's success will come with, you know, who's his lead type of guard. And in a situation like Charlotte with LaMelo Ball and the type of pass they have, it'd be great. But obviously in Cleveland here, we have Darius Garland. So I feel like in that sense, he'll be effective. Four years, $88 million, considering the fact that you also have Colin Sexton, the sanctions coming up, as well as Darius Garland's. <sighs> by then, we should know. Uh, by then, we'll know um, who we draft and such like that. I feel like if we end up with a top two, three pick and are able to take a guy like Evan Mobley, I feel like you just let Jared Allen walk for that much money. But if we end up, you know, selecting a wing player like a Cade, Sure, I'm for the four-year $88 million extension. And again, that, we don't know if that's going to happen or not. It's to be seen what his market is. And I think it is it is fair to say that part of the reason that Jared Allen has struggled to the level that he has here as of late, which it's not like he's been a horrible player when he's on the floor. I just don't think he's been as good. Uh, I think he does miss Darius Garland on the floor. Uh, those lab connections, you know, a steady diet of those. And just, again, I think... Colin Sexton has done a solid job, but he isn't Darius Garland as a passer. And I think having Darius back to just produce that many more easy, you know, convertible looks for Jarrett will, you know, drastically increase his production. And you, you want to talk about, you know, why bring back Garland? Why bring back Jetty? Uh, and, and Garland's case in particular, just to get a couple more games to watch Darius and Jarrett play together. Uh, just to make sure that, you know, this recent downstretch maybe is because of just the lack of passing that's around Jarrett. Uh, adding another playmaker in there will maybe kind of show you that, yeah, this guy still is a clear fit with his core. I, I think there's a case to be made there. But, Dan, I, what would what would be the highest number that you would go on Jarrett, and what do you think he should be valued at? I, I think that, like, four for 80 is feasible. Um, I think that was what was reported by Fior is mm-hmm. kind of like what it, that was a while ago. It was yeah. a, a good bit ago, but I wouldn't be like to me that's not completely out of the question. The other thing is we've seen flashes of like of picking or spot up stuff. To me, I, I'd like to see him actually shoot it more. Like the he has some of those capabilities, and even if it's just. Like, I think, like, two pick-and-pops a game is not the end of the world. And he has some touch in the mid-range when we've seen it. Like, the he hits free throws. Like, I mean, he can go on strings with those. And that, to me, is kind of what factors into that. I think there's real potential there. He just turned 23. And I just think it's a really good kind of one-two combo to have with him and Hardenstein. Um, I especially like it if Hardenstein's back too, just because I think that they kind of each have their own style 
Um, he's an above the rim guy. Hartenstein is kind of that like burlier kind of um, also is kind of like a set secondary playmaker guy. Um, I, I really like it in that sense. And, and he's a legitimate rim protector. And like, we haven't had one of those in years. And I think that really is, is the key with those like that, those flashes. And I, I just think for a big, like he moves about as well as five, like most fives you expect to move. Like, is he bam? No, he's not bam, but moves far better than Joel Embiid does. And I mean, there, there have been some instances, even in the playoffs when Embiid can be kind of marginalized. And to me, if you're projecting yourself as looking onward and like, like how do we get in the playoffs? What kind of like matchup type stuff? Like he can give a lot of centers problems because he's mobile, and you can throw it up there in the top of the Empire State Building, and he'll go and get it. And to me, like that, just that that vertical threat um, above the rim really is a is a key vertical spacing element that we again like we don't really ha- haven't had it in a long time, frankly. Um, Tristan Thompson was not that. Absolutely was not. And just, I don't know, the fact that he's 23 um, seems to, guys seem to really like him. Um, I, I just like his activity. I, okay, he got, he was banged up. It hasn't been ideal. Every, like, the way fives are in most of them in today's league, you're not going to get, like, I mean, Rudy Gobert offensively, aside from being a ter- terrific screener, like, unbelievable screener, and is a lob threat, clearly, we know that. Um, offensively, on ball is nothing. Like, zero. Nothing. I, I, I don't think that's the case with Jared Allen. Like, we have also seen low post feel. And when he gets seals in the low post, like, that that hook is, is pretty solid. It's legit. I mean, it's a little odd looking, but, I mean, to me, Brooke Lopez completely resurrected his career, like, in modernized when he was, what, 30? So, to me, uh, that's a guy you have to, like, if it's 20 a year, okay. 22 is probably the absolute top, and that, that is kind of the, the tippy top. But I, I just, to me, okay, if you have a chance of getting Mobley, to me, Mobley's not, like, a surefire guy. Like, everyone that acts like he's such a surefire bam guy, I, like, he is a really intriguing player. Like, I, I'm not, I think he's going to be very good, but... I just, I don't know, in the first, in the next three years, is he really going to be, like, a an absolute, like, people are making him out to be, like, a borderline all-star, like, guy, like, right early on. Yeah. I'm not seeing that with Evan Mobley, and he is going to get moved around a hell of a lot. Like, he is going well, to well, get I was a lot say, of and he's going to get injured. I'm gu- I guarantee you he gets injured. I'm just saying. What I was going to say is, I think that... And that's a problem like, to me. With I don't dislike the fit between Mobley and Allen. Like I, think I don't those either, two, though. Like two that's that the play other together. next point is I don't dis- necessarily dislike that either because that like I just don't trust Mobley is a surefire five. I, I don't know why people are saying that he weighs two ten. Like the guy is. A, I think he ideally, is a like he can get there, but Jared Allen's yeah. not a twig. So I, I just think. Um, dude, how do you like the? I'm with. Or, what are you saying, Dan? Uh, I'm yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, Amadou, how do you like the, the fit between those two guys? And do you think that, again, in the event that the Cavaliers were to draft Mobley, do you think that those two could fit together? Yeah, I definitely Like, do. even long-term, not just looking at, you know, the I very think beginning. Oh, yeah, long-term, yeah, especially if Mobley's, you know, his shooting is able to become more consistent. 
Um, and as he's able to expand his range continuously, you know, getting the offensive feel in, in the NBA, I do believe those two could be a real threat for, for many, many, many years to come. My thing is, if it just comes down to paying Allen and a team is giving him uh, an upper echelon type of deal, like we said, maybe four years, 88, uh, four years, 90, 92, if someone offers him that, I would be comfortable if the Cavs were to move on yeah. and have Mobley and then maybe, you know, look to, you know, sign another center. If you don't want to, you know, obviously have Mobley be, you know, that starting center day one. Um, I still feel I, I feel I feel comfortable with doing that. Actually, that's a fair point, though. If if they don't do that, who would like what, what would be the alternative? You'd think they would try to like honestly trade down and maybe get like a um, the international. What is it? Uh, Shangun, the the. Guy from Alpen Sengun. Yeah, he he actually does intrigue me. I'll admit, um, like via trade down, like that, that I could understand. Like he 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 could actually have like a high ceiling, but yeah, I, I'm I'd rather them keep him around. You gave up a one for him. It's it's yeah, a everything they've done so far just looks like they're going to keep. You give up Dante him. Exum for him. I think you got to do it. Um, but yeah, there's just you can't have constantly this like re like. You don't want to have like you a, can't a Browns at this stage. Yes. You don't yes. want to have a Browns That's situation like in the Browns like deep in rebuild situation. Like you, you need to establish some darn continuity and seems like a, a good culture piece to have. And I know fa- fans think that's like so cliche or whatever, but like th- that that stuff does matter because the Cavs frankly don't have one. So you, you need to those kind of guys you, you need to keep around. We've seen enough that he's an impact player. So, yeah, I think it it would take a wicked offer from a team like the Hornets or the Spurs or whoever to you know pry him away. I don't think. I, I think it's say, it's clearly a. I, go ahead. I do want to say the only reason I was making this point is if the Cavs were to have you know a, a semi decent replacement like a Mobley, or if they were to go out there in free agency and find somebody to just be like you know that gap type of guy until Mobley can potentially Who that play that in free agency. Yeah, that, that's that's another tough thing. I mean, maybe Nerlens. Nerlens, maybe, maybe. Nerlens. No. I'm not too sure. Absolutely, but, you know. Absolutely, obviously, not for a, not for a starter. No, he can't, I think he can't be a last. He can't, for he sure. can't even yeah. last though. He can't even last. Like he can't sure. even last like two like over fifty percent of a season. That's the problem. Yeah, never mind. I, I just I don't yeah. I don't see it. Do you think I don't know? You could maybe. Sign and trade type of thing. Do people like, think they that we should like we're gonna be able to go out and get like beef stew? Like, are you gonna trade Colin <laughs> for beef stew and like three picks or what? Is Cody I'm trying Zeller to think who could you? This year? I, I just Cody I don't know. Would be a free agent. I don't know the sign and trade like guys would be. Like, is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I get you. You make a fair point. I just it's just questionable in that way. I don't know. Yeah, Robin you could Lopez, bring back McGee. Oh. You, you could bring back McGee. McGee. I'm not sure. <laughs> just yeah, run, yeah, just run the three centers like back. they did earlier in the year. Whatever. <laughs> uh, you can throw money at Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. I think he's going to get it. He's going to get more. He might get more than Allen. He's going to get paid. More than Allen. I don't know if he's, he's not going to get more than Allen. Yeah, I don't know. I that's going to happen. I don't know. I think million dollar range for me. Allen is so much younger. He's going to get more. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get more money than Allen. What? What is he like? Twenty eight now. Okay. He's like 27, 28, I think. Well, yeah. come on, Justin. He's a probably BG. Come on. I love the guy. I really do. Like, 
I think he's a heck of a player. I just don't think he's getting more money than Jared Allen. Yeah, that, that's but, um Anything else from either of you before we before we wrap up here? Dan, do the Cavs have another win in them? Is it going to happen? Are they going to Are they going to shock the world and beat the Wizards? Are the the Nets going to sit everyone and forfeit that game? What, what are I you guess predicting they to happen could beat here? The Nets. I, they could. To me, I think they could beat the spread against the Nets, but I don't. No, I, I think the Wizards are going to just. That's just going to be a bloodbath. I mean, Ish Smith might have like eighteen in that game. <laughs> he might. Amadou, prediction to end the season. This will be, these will be the last couple games. Will, I think this will be the last during the season podcast until next year. What do you think is going to happen in these final two games? Yeah. Honestly, thinking about it, I think we might just go 0-2. The, the Wizards are playing, you know, they're, they're trying to make the playoffs. And the Nets, even if they do sit their players, which they might not, you know, it depends on, you know, where they want to finish in the season and stuff like that. I still do believe that like, like we even talked about, James Harden might play. That team in itself is probably better than what the Cavs will throw out there. And just saying, maybe Kevin Love misses a game, too, because whatever reason. He bumps yeah, his knee again. Or something like that. I always have to account for those. So Slips honestly, going to, like, uh, slips off the bus. I, I don't know. Yeah, so, something something like that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would kind of hope that we would go into just to improve our, you know, pick odds. But that's, I should say slips off the tournament. <laughs> all right well anyway with that then i think we'll get out of here uh thank you dan thank you amadou as always thank you everyone out there for listening if you enjoyed listening subscribe uh if you're on apple leave a rating leave a review it helps out the show and uh with that we will talk to you next time hey everyone the nba season is underway and there's no better way to celebrate than with thrive fantasy the daily fantasy sports app for player props They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.